I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. I'm thankful that in the midst of changes, we serve a God who is consistent and constant and never shifts, never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think we can give him a round of applause for his consistency. Thank you, Jesus. But this morning... In preparation, not only for next week, but in all the things in your life that shift, I'm preaching on this title, The God of Change. The God of Change. Lord, we love you. We are so thankful to be here today. Bless the people who are here. Bless those watching or tuning in online. And God, I pray that you would mightily anoint your word today. Let it go forth and forward into someone's heart and mind. Provide, Lord, encouragement, direction, instruction, and righteousness, God. We are so thankful, Jesus, that you gave us your word. Otherwise, we'd be aimlessly trying to figure out this life for ourselves. This way, we got, we got some divinely inspired words to help guide us, and we're so thankful for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So incredible changes have taken place in the last 150 years. But before we talk about the past 150 years, let's just start by first talking about the past one year. COVID has been unlike anything we've ever seen in our lifetimes, and I'm not going to stay here long because I know we're at the point now where we're like, it's real, it's fine, we're dealing with it, but stop talking about it. But we've had, people have died, and People have been sick. Politics, honestly, seem more tense right now than ever before in my lifetime. Vaccines are now being made available, and there's opinions on that. Sports were canceled, and there's opinions on that. Businesses are and were struggling. We're wearing masks everywhere. School wasn't meeting in person. I sometimes think, my dad passed away in January of 2011. I sometimes think, man, if I could just bring him back, I wonder what he would say when I'm like, hey, let's just run to the grocery store. I just wonder what he says when he sees the stickers everywhere in the slides and everyone wearing masks. Like, it would be so foreign to what he knew when he passed because times have really changed because this virus, this pandemic, has changed a lot in our lives. And that's all in just one year. If you don't think that society can change fast, if society can adapt fast, okay, I go to Chick-fil-A yesterday, and they don't even have a dining room, and I doubt they'll ever open again. I feel like they're busier than ever before. But you just adapt, and Culver's puts a sticky thing on your window instead of a, a thing. I, you can tell I go out to eat a lot. And so, and, and, you know, like, they, you know, just businesses adapt and churches adapt and colleges adapt and schools adapt and grocery stores adapt because even if we don't like change, we do a great job adapting. But think back even further. Go back to the past 150 years. We're experiencing more change, really, than ever before in history. The rate of change is so great that we barely catch our breath before another change happens. Everything we're familiar with is changing. Think about your cell phone, okay? I mean, you're holding a phone in your hand or it's in your pocket or, you know, maybe you don't have a phone, but I, I doubt that in this day and age. But 
this phone is going to be obsolete. I mean, like a year or two from now, you're looking at a couple years with an iPhone, a couple months with an Android. And so it's just, it changes so fast. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Some of you, if I ever give you a mic, man, I'm going to get it. I'm kidding. Every day in America, all right, 108,000 of us move to a new home. 18,000 moved to another state. And over the last couple of years, I felt like all 18,000 went to Refuge Church, but we had a lot, lot move away. But 700 are moving to Florida. I guess for warmer weather. Every day in America, the United States government issues 50 more pages of regulations. 40 Americans turn 100. 5,800 become 65. Every day in America, 167 businesses go bankrupt, and that's before COVID, so it probably could even be higher. 689 new ones start up, and 100 Americans became millionaires. If that's you, just give a round of applause to the Lord. Hallelujah. No, okay. Americans purchase 45,000 new automobiles and trucks and smash 87,000 of them. More than 6,300 get divorced, 13,000 get married. We eat 75 acres of pizza. Every day, this ain't a year, every day in America, we eat 75 acres of pizza. There are youth groups all over the country having youth parties. Let me just tell you, if you've ever been praying about youth ministry, the first question that we ask is, do you like pizza? <laughs> if you don't, you can't work in youth. We eat 53 million, every day in America, 53 million hot dogs. What is wrong with people? Do you, if you like hot dogs, raise your hand. What's wrong with you guys? Goodness, you probably put refried beans on it too. <laughs> Every day in America, we eat 167 million eggs. We eat 3 million gallons of ice cream. I'm wondering if that includes custard. Don't go into Culver's and ask for ice cream, okay? It's custard, there's a difference. We eat 3,000 tons of candy. More information has been produced in the last 30 years than the previous 5,000 years. More than one half the scientists who ever lived are alive today. 90% of all the items in the supermarket today didn't exist 10 years ago. That, whether that's good or bad. It's also estimated that 90% of the businesses in the U.S. were started in the last 25 years. These kind of changes are taking place in every field. Travel has changed. More than 200 years ago, George Washington traveled from Virginia to Washington, D.C. by horseback. It could take him 10 days traveling at a speed of 25 miles a day. 
But I'll tell you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Yeah. You missed deeper waters last week. We learned about that. Today, astronauts can enter a space shuttle and travel at 25,000 miles per hour. At the speed, that speed, you could fly from New York City to San Francisco in eight minutes. Book me on my space shuttle. Man, I could get things done. I'd be the only evangelist in the UPC that could preach San Francisco, New York, and head overseas and get, get all in one day. With all these advances in air travel, it's, past, it's, it's, it's literally possible to have breakfast in New York, lunch in Dallas, and dinner in Los Angeles, and your luggage show up in Mexico. <laughs> One man put it this way, my great-grandfather rode a horse, but he was afraid of a train. My grandfather rode a train and was afraid of a car. My father rode in a car, was afraid of an airplane. I ride, a, I ride an airplane, and now I'm afraid of a horse. Since the 30s, movies have gone from silent to unspeakable. Since the 50s, we had three networks, ABC, NBC, or I'm sorry, NBC, ABC, and CBS. We now have 750 plus channels and counting. And by the time someone scrolls through their cable list, your show that you were thinking about watching is already over because the list is so long. In the 50s, the major discipline problems in public schools were cigarette smoking, skipping class, running the halls, spitballs, chewing gum, and maybe a whoopee cushion. <laughs> Today, major problems are deadly weapons, kids carrying guns, knives, assault weapons, arson, drugs, vandalism, drunkenness. And now society lets kids choose what gender they want to be. Schools and businesses have to have awkward conversations about how to address people with personal pronouns. Like I say, I wonder what my dad would think if he came back. Relationships are changing. More than 50% of our marriages end in divorce, and the odds are when a couple walks down the aisle to be married, odds will show that their marriage won't last more than seven years, meaning the the warranty on the refrigerator will last longer than the marriage. Our society has abandoned God's laws. <clears throat> but what does it mean for the church? You can't say, well, bless God, we ain't changing. You have to. You have to. There's definitely no doubt that the world is and continuing to change. We have all personally experienced this. In the last 12 to 15 months, change can bring fear, tension, uneasiness, uncertainty, doubt, and disbelief. And I think we've probably all experienced more than one thing on that list that I just read. I have been, God's been dealing with me about some of the weaknesses and shortfalls of the church that COVID revealed. COVID revealed some weaknesses about not only American churches, but even our church. But instead of even just praying about some of these things, at like times I would reason with God and I would say, Lord, we can't change anything now. COVID has shook us up. The church has to be a symbol of consistency and stability. And I think if I said that to you, many of us would say amen. But God recently showed me something and he said, COVID has revealed the things about the church that need to change. 
Don't be afraid of change when I am the God of change. And so God is still in charge and he never changes. The world changes, church ministries and structure change, our jobs change, our kids grow up. One season of life changes and leads to another, but God never changes. Our world is in the grip of the infinite, all-powerful hand of the God of the universe. He's in control. He never loses track of what's going on. He never gets confused. He never frets over a decision. He never, he always makes the right decision. He always knows what he will do even before the circumstances arise. God has a grip on the reins of the world and his purpose will be carried out. God has a plan. God has a purpose. He doesn't change, but we forget that when everything else changes around us. But if we can take solace in the fact that God, he has a plan, and his plan will always be worked out. It's just a matter if I'm going to be a part of it or not. And I want to be a part of that. But sometimes that leads me into periods of uncertainty. Fear can keep us from even accepting change. But see, God has a plan. But he says in the midst of all of it, I don't change. You see, the words of Malachi 3, 6 that we just read and people have heard, and you probably could maybe quote that, I'm Lord, I change not. At least we can quote the first part. But what's the context? What was being said there by Malachi? Well, Malachi spoke these words at a time of great change. Worship had become flippant and casual, and people were giving their leftovers to God. The moral law of God was being disregarded, especially concerning marriage. Man, it sounds interesting. Divorce was a national disgrace at that time. The Lord's command to tithe was being ignored to the economical detriment to the nation. And neither priest nor people took seriously the threat of approaching judgment. In that kind of world, Malachi speaks and says, hey, God said, I'm the Lord I change not. We have to have renewed vision today more than ever before. We as a church cannot be afraid of change when we serve the God who controls all and he doesn't change. Change is is inevitable. We're either going to fight it or we're going to embrace it. It, It's going to happen to every single one of us. Things will change on your job. Things will change in your family. Things will change in style. People people will fight that too. But the good news is, is if you hold on to the style that you have, eventually it will make its way back around. So just sit tight. But these things change. And so change is inevitable. We either fight it or we embrace it. That's it. Certainly there are things that never change because I don't want you to think I'm setting you up for the fact that we're leaving truth. That will never happen because God says, I'm the Lord, I change. There's certain things that never change. Doctrine never changes. The plan for salvation that God has for his people, it's laid out in Scripture. We don't just get up and change that because it's not convenient for us. Love for family, that doesn't change. The word of God doesn't change. Even when a child lets you down, makes terrible decisions. I know some of you have kids maybe that aren't doing things, making choices that you think, what are you doing? But you still love them. That doesn't change. 
But if I simply say, I hate change, bless God, I'm not changing. Well, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be riding a horse to church next weekend. Some of you are like, man, that'd be awesome. I will miss an opportunity to use technology and say, I, we don't need that junk in church. But I'm going to miss an opportunity to connect with you right now who is watching this service at this moment. Who comments and we, get, we receive comments and emails from people across the world, not just even in Missouri or the United States, that happen to tune in and stumble across us. Or maybe they watch on a regular basis. We're thankful for you and we're thankful for the technology that allows us to bring this message. Or I'll sit in church on a Sunday doing the same thing, bless God, I've been doing for 40 years. And that's how people get bent out of shape because someone done sat in your seat. Man, oh man. There's so much I could say and I'm forcing myself to move on. Unwilling though, we can be unwilling to inconvenience ourselves simply because I hate change. I don't want to be uncomfortable. But in that, could we ever get so consumed with our comfort zone that we're missing an opportunity to impact a life and to make a disciple? I just, I've read the Bible through several times, and I've never seen a scripture that says, blessed are those when you serve God, you will never be inconvenienced. I don't see that. But we read stories, I'm going to talk about that next week, but I, I, I don't want to ever get to the point where I say, I hate change, and I won't change because it's uncomfortable. I want to stay in my comfort zone. Folks, folks I, I refuse to live like that. Change is uncomfortable at times, and, and I cannot promise you all that every one of you, a pilot program I'm going to be introducing next week, and we're going to talk through the details, I cannot promise you that we're going to end with just laying at the altar slain in the spirit because there's so much unity and we're so excited about every single detail of everything that I say. Man, I would love to, to think that that would happen. Year one or two of pastoring, I probably would have been naive enough to think that that was possible. Now, I'm positive. Some of us are going to be like, I don't know, I don't like that idea. Or I like that part, but not that part. But at the end of the day, listen, change is part of life. And so we have to be willing as we walk in even next week, what, forget about the comfort zone, what is it that you want me to do, God, to be a part of this? And I know some of you, you're, already, you're like freaking out already about next week. It'll be all right. But we have to have a passionate and clear vision of what God has called us to do, the mission at hand. I had a children's ministry meeting today, and I loved this line that God gave me, I feel. And it's, we cannot love our tradition more than the mission. We cannot love our tradition more than the mission. Some, you know, we, we, we think we, we have to have this passionate, clear vision, especially in a changing time. Too often we've taken our feet off the pedal and looked too long in the rear view mirror. 
And you know what's funny about sometimes when people, when we live in the past, is we, we start to exalt the things that once were. There's actually a terminology for this, and I can't remember it, but when you get so consumed with, oh, bless God, we used, to, we used to have this. I remember when, and it's like glorifying it so much that you actually forget how challenging times were in that moment. And so when challenges come at present day, people say, I remember what, we used to this. And you're like, man, it was terrible. There was all kinds of challenges there too because every season of life is going to bring challenges and victories. It's, it's, it's part of life. And so we walk through these changes, and that's where we can say, I'm not afraid of change. And I'm not say, I, I, oh, man, I love it. I can't wait for the next change. Okay, we're not, we, we know we're not like that. But what is it, God? Where are you leading us? Because if I'm led by the Spirit, then I don't have to worry about anything. Because I serve the God who does not Change. Someone has said, when we have more memories than dreams, life is over. When we have more memories than dreams. And if that saying discourages you and you're going, oh man, oh, maybe my life's over because that's me. No, just begin to say, God, revive someone. Be like, be like Caleb, who this old man at the end of his life is like, I'll go fight. Let's go take him. Yeah. He's like, I ain't retired, man. We can still go. Let's, let's, ah. Joshua and Caleb had that attitude. Right. Here Caleb is at the end of his life like, give me a sword. I'll go take care of business right now. And so the, there's nothing wrong with saying, God, renew a fresh vision in my heart. Give me something, Lord. What do you have for me? God, show me. Reveal something to me. I don't want to just be looking in the rearview mirror. I want to have more dreams than memories. And so we have to have greater memories and dreams that say, I, I want to keep dreaming. I want to keep pressing forward. I want to see what God has not only for what I'm a part of, but through me. We must know where we're going and what we're going to do. When he was... 88, and the late Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes was traveling on a train. The conductor came by and asked for his ticket. And uh, Judge Holmes was fumbling through it, searching for it. And the conductor was sympathetic. Don't worry, Mr. Holmes. The Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Railroad will be happy to trust you. When you reach your destination, you'll probably find your ticket, and you can mail it to us. The conductor's kindness did not put Justice Holmes at ease Holmes said, my dear man, my problem is not where is my ticket. My problem is, where am I going? <laughs> Many of us can experiment. We can experience this similar problem. We think, you know, I'm a part of something, but I don't really know where I'm going. Got to have the dream to know where you're going. Dream big dreams. This is not an inspirational speech. This is not like a, a ceremony for graduation. This is, this is speaking to Christians who are believers who you have not been placed on this earth just to enjoy good church services. We've been put here and filled with his spirit, and he said, I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the world, and greater things than these that you've seen with me will you do. Now go ye therefore. Therefore. 
teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, which name is Jesus. Make disciples. Isaiah 43, 18 says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. And now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way for in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is sitting here saying, listen, yeah, I did things in your past. But right now, look forward. I have a new thing that I want to do. Has, has God ever done anything in your life that has been powerful, miraculous, and awesome? Raise your hand if he has done one thing for you. All right? And how many of you right now literally could stand up and tell everyone about it? Don't worry. Just raise your hand. I'm not going to call on you. You don't have to fear. But you could say, literally, I could tell someone about it. If I got past the, the fear of grabbing the microphone, I could literally tell everybody the details about that. Because we remember those things, what God did. But don't live in yesterday's blessings. God is saying, yeah, I did those, but forget some of that. Now I want to do some new things in you and in your life, your family, your ministry, the church. And that's what God has planned. We cannot be content with what is. We must crave for what can be when it comes to spiritual things. I don't want to just be content on the manna that was given to me yesterday. If you want to be distressed, look within. You want to be defeated? Look back. Want to be distracted? Look around. Want to be dismayed? Look ahead. If you want to be delivered? Look up. See, when we, when we focus our attention upon the Lord, setbacks become springboards. Obstacles turn into opportunities. Barriers can be blessings. Cowards become courageous. When we say, okay, God, I'm filled with your spirit. I'm not afraid of change. Let's do this. We can learn a lot from Moses and the way he handled the changes and seasons in his own life. Hebrews 11, it says, verse 23, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. Which that line in itself, I have three awesome children that I adore. But there ain't a day in my life I could imagine being able to hide them for three months. If God said hide them for three minutes, I'd be like, I'll try. <laughs> they are high functioning, high energy leaders. But boy, three months hiding your kids? All right. Hit them for three months. They saw that God had given them an unusual child. And they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the kid, king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. One translation said instead of he kept right on going, it's he never flinched. I want to be a person that never flinches when change comes. That's quite the goal because that would be pretty difficult 
But he never flinched. Moses had staying power, even with all the changes, the challenges. He kept his eyes on God, not the obstacles. He endured into his 80s and 90s, hundreds. He endured despite the contempt of Pharaoh. He endured the stubbornness of the Hebrews who grumbled and maligned him and, and complained and rebelled. And he endured amidst the criticism of those closest to him, Miriam, his sister, Aaron, his brother, Dothan, and Abiram, and his companions, and people that would just every time he tried to, to lead something, change something, speak something, he had to endure all that. Because it's tough sometimes to lead change. There's books entitled Leading Change. I'll never forget when I was young, I wanted everybody to like me. I still want everybody to like me, but I just realized it's not going to happen. I remember I'd go to my parents, my dad would say, my mom, would, Gary, not everybody in the world's going to like you. But I would just try so hard to get people to like me. And then, you know, the more you step into leading things and facilitating things, you just realize, like, man, I just got to acknowledge, accept the fact not everybody is going to like me. Some of you are looking at me right now, you're like, I'm glad you finally know. I mean... But Moses, he, he just had to say, you know, God, if you spoke, we're going. Did you lead us out here to die? No, 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 stand still. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. God said, go forward. We're going forward. But we can't go forward. There's obstacles in front of us. No. God said, go forward. But who are you? What would you bring us? We told you to leave us alone. Hey, listen, it's time to move forward. And that's what we need. We need visionary leaders in the church ministry directors, people serving that are saying, let's go. Let's go see what God's got for us. We can do this. You and I can do this. We make sure that we not only endure, but we can be victorious overcomers by doing like Moses did and fixing our eyes on the Lord. Even when the wicked seem to be winning, even when the pressure seems to be unbearable, even when the critics won't shut up, even when big people act small, even when we feel as though we're all alone, even when we feel like truth is no longer advancing. Remember this psalm of praise in Psalm 146.1. Praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. You know, we just fly through that. But have we ever prayed that prayer? Can you, you know, just, just go ahead and say that right now. Just say that with me. Just say, Lord, let all that I am praise you. That is an entire being. Lord, it's not about a church service, just going to church or being in a minute, but Lord, let all that I am praise you. And he goes on in verse two. He says, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. Yeah, you might retire. You might retire from from the various industries in which you've worked. You can retire from Ford and Hallmark. You can retire from wherever it is in construction. You can retire, but you never retire from being a man or a woman of God, a disciple maker, someone who serves God. You, don't, you might even retire from, at some point, I'm not going to be standing in this pulpit till I can barely get up here anymore. Like, we're saving for retirement, and I am retiring someday from being your pastor. But I'm not going to retire from ministry. 
I'm going to find somewhere, some life to invest in, impact, go teach at a school. I'm going to do something. I'm not going to sit here and be a pastor, a paid pastor my whole life until I die. At some point, I will retire. But, but you can still say in the midst of all that, I will still be singing praises to God with my dying breath. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There's no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth and all their plans die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. So we, we are in a society that is experiencing hopelessness in so many different areas. But the vision of this church is experience hope, offer hope. That's why we exist. So we can have an experience of, of hope with Christ and then turn and offer that hope to people on our jobs, in the community, that live next to us. We can offer that hope. Yeah, but look at all the things that are changing. Look at, look at what's happening in school. Look at what happened in the, in, the, in the health industry. And look at this and look at that. And you can say, I know I don't know all the answers to all that stuff. And I'm not arguing with you that things are changing and shifting. And it makes us all just a little bit nervous at times because, well, what's going to happen? People ask Christians some, well, what's going to happen with that? Like we're supposed to go, hang on. Next week. Tuesday, 10 o'clock. Like, yeah, I look at people and say, man, I wish I knew. If you know, can you let me know? Faith is not knowing what's on the horizon. It's trusting the one who holds the horizon. So, so I don't have to fear it because in the midst of change, I serve a God who says, I don't change. And I hold the world in my hands. The God who never changes. Joyful are those who have Israel, or the God of Israel is their hope. He made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. And so as I close today, when you cannot remember, and look up the words to this old hymn entitled, Hold God's Unchanging Hand. Time is filled, listen to the words, time is filled with swift transition. Not of earth unmoved can stand. Build your hope on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. And then a refrain, it says, hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Verse 2, it says, trust in him who will not leave you whatsoever years may bring. If by earthly friends forsaken, still more closely to him cling. Covet not this world's vain riches that so rapidly decay. Seek to gain the heavenly treasures. They will never pass away. When your journey is completed, if to God you have been true, fair and bright the home and glory your enraptured soul will view. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. As you stand to your feet today, you're in a society that has changed and is changing.
You got the pandemic. You got a new new president, vice president. You have new legislation. You have you have changes on your job, changes in the economy. You have changes now. Now the church talking about changes, so that brings this level of stress. Like, come on, this is the one thing that's consistent. Don't change it now. But God, in all the change, He's revealed things that He's going to lead us through change. Because he says, I don't change. But the situation, the world that you're in, that changes. Circumstances change. Change happens everywhere. And yeah, it's hard at times. I am painting some picture. It's change is always easy and beautiful. It's hard at times. It can be uncomfortable. But you will either fight it or embrace it. And I know people say to me, yeah, but changes are harder the older you get. I mean, I've tasted a little bit. I'm somewhere between 20 and 50 now. But why fight change when you can embrace it? You... You serve an unchanging God who will lead you through changing times. And so someone here that's struggling with just change, I mean, just life and change and whatever that is, no doubt a message like this is this what's so beautiful. You say something like that, in your mind, your mind goes to something totally different than the person that's sitting right next to you. Because change is everywhere. And there's certain change that you're like, hey, I like that. Now, there's other change that you're like, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm scared to death of that. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even know what, I don't even know what the horizon holds. This is freaking me out. We're about to open an altar where you can come and talk to the God who said, I am the Lord. I do not change. And you can bring him a changing circumstance that is causing you anxiety and stress and fear. And you can just hand it to him and say, Lord, I need you right now to be the Prince of Peace. To bring something to my life. And isn't it interesting that you look at the fruit of his spirit and it's, it's peace. That's one of the things that are listed. And so, God, I need your spirit just present in my life. And, and even when I don't feel it, I trust you. And so no matter what change comes or is happening right now, I refuse to fear. Why? Because you told me you don't change. So if I'm with you, I don't have to worry about the future. I don't have to worry if it's seemingly lose it all tomorrow. Lose lose what? What does that mean? You could lose it all tomorrow. And that brings this panic and this anxiety in people's lives. If our lives are in his hands, what am I losing at all? What does that mean? Because Paul, Romans 8 says, neither death nor life, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. I don't know, I'm not losing nothing. I'm going to go through changes, but I'm so thankful that he's already been in the future before I even got there. So I invite you right now to just come and find a place to pray and let there be a word of peace in your life right now. 
a word of peace about church, society, ministry, life, marriage, that, God, that God's got this. God's got this. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thankful. We're thankful for being, that you are interested in a people who in the midst of all this change, you change not. So there's no need to be anxious and frustrated and fearful. You got this, Lord. You got this, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.